Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim, and I'll be leading us in our scripture reading this morning. The passage comes from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. Go ahead and follow along as I read. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who ascended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear from your word. Uh, Father, we thank you for Pastor Joel, and we thank you that he has the heart to bring this scripture to us, and we ask that you would give him words to speak. 
uh, that you would use his words and use the scripture to open our eyes, Father, and see what it is that you want us to learn today. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Kim. There are uh, lots of different groups or organizations uh, that you can connect to. It seems like now uh, with an internet connection, uh, you can sign up for uh, emails or texts, uh, for listservs. Uh, you can connect in to any number of causes. And whether uh, that is an opportunity to pursue uh, a particular cause, say a particular justice cause, or a cause oriented to uh, a school that your kids go to. Uh, you can sign up, you can receive updates about activities, you can figure out where can I use my time and gifts and connect in. Or maybe uh, you are at a spot in life where you're grieving, you're struggling in the day to day. And so you're looking for some community of support or to connect with others uh, to lament, then there are options for you. Whether that's uh, pursuing a counselor where you can go see someone individually or whether that's connecting in with other support groups or other like-minded people who are struggling, then there's an opportunity for you to go and connect. Or maybe you're just looking for a way to distract you from uh, the day-to-day -day or what's going on that's mundane. So you're looking for some sort of cause that you're interested in. Uh, so whether that is uh, some subreddit uh, or whether that is uh, a, a group where you can talk about or do the things that you enjoy, everything from, uh, you know, pick up sports uh, to connecting with others over a variety of hobbies. There's no end uh, to ways it feels like to connect to people, whether that's in the pursuit of justice or a cause, whether that's to grieve or whether that's just to pursue a hobby. And yet there's this weird tension. If there's no end to the opportunities out there for us to connect, why so often do we feel isolated and alone? Or why do we struggle with having a sense of community if there are endless ways that technology and uh, other people out in our community have provided for us to connect. And I think part of the reason why that disconnect exists is it goes to the complexity of who we are as human beings. That we are more than just 168 hours in a week where we need something to fill our schedule. That doesn't necessarily make us feel connected. We are human beings uh, who have uh, souls. There is more to us than just the causes that we pursue or the things that move our hearts to cry out and lament or the things that we find joy in or that we're interested in. We are more than just those things. And so when we are often longing to feel connected, it goes deeper to our human identity. Where do you find connectedness? Where do you find your ultimate identity? In John's gospel, 
he is recounting a story where Jesus is meeting together with a man, Nicodemus, to work out that question. Because for Jesus, there is more to life than what groups you belong to or the things that you do or what you have done. Really, with the arrival of the kingdom of God, there is this fundamental human question of whether your heart is spiritually alive. And Nicodemus in the first century shows up in John's gospel here in chapter three, and he is exploring that. We are introduced to him in the opening verses, a man of the Pharisees. That is, he was connected to a particular Jewish group that took religion seriously. Uh, they thought deeply about uh, not only the Old Testament story of what God has been doing among his people, but how that plays out in day-to-day -day life. Moreover, he uh, was someone, we're told, who was a leader, uh, someone who really uh, invested some of his own time and energy into this question of, uh, where is it that I find my identity? And so here he uh, comes to have a conversation with Jesus. He opens it up in verse 2, meeting with Jesus at night, maybe grabbing some uninterrupted time with Jesus of Nazareth, this one who is supposedly connected to God, sent from God himself, God himself incarnate. And Nicodemus has the opportunity to sit with him and talk about life. Now, it's not that any one thing that Nicodemus had or hadn't done up to that point wasn't enough, but it's a question of going to uh, just what God is doing in the world. And so Nicodemus kicks it off in verse 2 and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, that you've come from God because no one can do the things that you're doing, the signs that you do, unless God is with him. And Jesus responds and says, truly, truly, uh, a way of, of doubling up to grab your attention and Nicodemus's attention to say, pay attention to this. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is cutting through Nicodemus's identity, some of the things that he may, or, or at least the superficial sense of identity, some of the things that me, he may have done, uh, what groups he's been connected with, the causes that he's been a part of. And he basically says, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom. There's something deeper within you as a human being not just as a first century Jewish man who's a Pharisee and a part of the leadership. There's something more deep inside of you. And Nicodemus responds in verse 4, right? This, this perplexes him a bit. Huh? Say what? This is Nicodemus's reply. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's rhetorical, right? Jesus I, I'm missing what you're saying here. Uh, what is this new birth? How could you change yourself? And Jesus responds and says, truly, truly, I say to you again, that truly, truly format. Pay attention. Jesus calls to us. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel at what I've said to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So Jesus pulling likely from the prophet Ezekiel here, is letting Nicodemus know that the answer to his most fundamental question of identity and value, just how it is that his heart is changed, is not rooted in something he does or pursues, but rather rooted in God's action itself. This uh, past week, I caught the podcast, This American Life, and uh, one of the more recent episodes is about uh, blood. That's the uh, theme uh, that runs throughout the entire hour-long episode. Now, no need to uh, get skittish here. Uh, I I won't uh, share any details that would make you feel uncomfortable, but one of the last stories in this particular episode focused on a cardiothoracic surgeon up in Connecticut. And this particular heart surgeon uh, specialized in uh, lowering people's temperatures, almost putting them in a deep freeze, not frozen, mind you, but very close, so that he could do incredibly complicated repairs to someone's heart. And the reporter for this story goes in and actually stands in the operating room. And so you hear the sounds and you are talking with Dr. E and and you can hear uh, the conversations that are going on with the nurses and the anesthesiologists and the other folks who are involved. And the sense that you get from the surgery is that it's a complex thing. It's not just some delicate repair. There are multiple people involved. There's a variety of expertise around the table connected to helping this patient undergo a heart surgery. And what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is like a heart surgery like that, could you imagine ever doing a heart surgery that extensive involving all of the areas of expertise and then doing that surgery to yourself? Impossible. And this is what Jesus is making clear to Nicodemus, that because of the reality of sin and the condition of our own spiritual vitality, our own hearts, no measure of our own activity, uh, our know-how, the things that we participate in can ever repair the damage that sin has done. It has killed us to a degree. And so Jesus is declaring that what is needed here is the work of the Holy Spirit, that it is the Spirit that makes us alive and enables us to see, to have ears to hear and eyes to see and respond to the news of God's kingdom with faith. Jesus is declaring to Nicodemus both the humbling and serious news that his deepest longings can never be fulfilled by himself, but that it takes God's divine initiative. 
And we catch a glimpse building on God's work in the Exodus, building on God's word through the prophet Ezekiel, particularly in chapters 36 and 37. And here, what Jesus is making clear is that with the arrival of the kingdom, it is God's spirit that works in people's lives to uh, give them new hearts. It is a divine heart transplant that wakes us up from the stupor and malaise of sin. And so here he is giving Nicodemus uh, this pro tip. It's not who you are, Nicodemus. It's not what you've done. Uh, this is open for all. This is new. It's not something that you can accomplish on your own, but something that is available to any who hear and respond in faith. And that is both serious in terms of uh, just what Jesus is describing and humbling at the same time. We're such competent people. Uh, We have navigated some pretty complex situations in life. And yet we can't fully arrive to this news of the kingdom of God apart from God's work himself in our lives. That brings us low. That reminds us that if we are living a fully satisfied life, but we wonder, uh, is there more to it than just this? Now, maybe that's not very many people participating today because of all that's going on in our world. Maybe satisfaction isn't something that we would describe. But if you think, well, I'm navigating life pretty well, Uh, you know, I'm still employed, I I have reasonable health, Uh, you know, the people around me are doing okay, Um, and, and so I'm, you know, reasonably all right, but surely there's something more. To you, Jesus is saying there's something more. It involves the work of the Spirit in our lives. Maybe you were unsatisfied. Say, when will we finally see justice poured out? When will uh, we finally see uh, the world made whole again? When will things seemingly go well and we won't turn on the news or open up our web browser and be confronted with another source of evil? When will that happen to you? Jesus says, well, it's not something that you're going to be able to accomplish on your own. But it is a divine work of God. The reality of individual regeneration, the work that the Holy Spirit does in our own hearts, is connected throughout the New Testament to the regeneration of the world that we live in, how we will ultimately have a sense of justice and peace. Well, how will we get from here to there? And Jesus, as the Gospel of John unfolds, will make clear it's through his life, death, and resurrection that we arrive. It is God who accomplishes not only our ultimate redemption, but also our restoration, the full full bringing about of justice. And how that happens is by the work of his Holy Spirit in regenerating our hearts, but also the accomplishment of our redemption through Jesus's work on the cross. And God raising him from the dead, vindicating him, giving us a glimpse of where this all is headed. And so as we go through our day-to-day lives, we may have that profound sense of, uh, I'm, uh, okay, I can see a little of what God's doing, but I'm not fully experiencing it yet. 
And to that, Jesus says, yes, continue to walk day after day in faith. That is what the Christian life looks like. It is open for all who hear and respond in faith. And in practice, it means that we follow in the footsteps of Jesus in faithfulness day in and day out wherever God has us. This is something that the Holy Spirit continues to be involved in. So God says that through his spirit, he makes us alive, but the spirit's work doesn't stop there. God gives his spirit to us to continue to encourage us, to enable us to put to death sin in our lives, to enliven us, to be faithful, even in the hard moments, to do things like love our neighbors as ourselves. To do things like do business with patterns of sinfulness in our own lives, whether that's patterns of anger, uh, whether that's patterns of lust and pornography, whether that's patterns of, uh, of lying or tearing others down with our speech. God's work, his spirit continues in our lives to Help us to do business with those things in the day in and day out as we look forward to our own resurrected bodies, as we look forward to God's full restoration of all that he has promised. May God help us to be faithful today, tomorrow, and until Jesus returns. Amen.